So I said to him, and I was talking to him, and I he I told him, I told him, listen, I've been in this business for nearly four days now. I know how to sing. And he wouldn't believe me. So I was just like, let me show you with the power of my voice. I never worked in theatre again. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Adequate. Our ongoing mission until we are cancelled and replaced by something far superior. To review every Star Trek movie and episode in existence. To seek out new guests and make them very uncomfortable. To boldly go where many other YouTube shows have gone before. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning everybody. Welcome to another episode of Trekking Up North. I am your host as ever, Captain Goodwill of the USS Adequate, and joining me is the delectable Yeesian from the planet Honk. No, no, it's not the planet Honk. It's the planet Honk. It has to be done for the we, magic shall of we Shall we harmonize, harmonize our honks? Oh, harmonianize. Harmonianize, yes. Harmonianize. 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 Let's have a go. I don't know what note we're aiming for, but let's give it a go. Uh, okay. That one. Okay, okay. Okay, one, two, three. That worked much better than last well, time. Well, yeah, that already took two takes and a broken microphone and USB power <laughs> supply. Okay, take two is in I the I had bag. to restart my computer because I did the honk really, really loudly. And my computer just went, all USB devices need to stop. <laughs> when Sonoy's, when a Geesian sings, it downs an entire USB grid. Hold on, did I just, what's the thing from Discovery called? The, uh... The burn. Is, yeah, did we, did I just do the, <laughs> the Geesian burn? Is that what we The Geesian burn is so basic, <laughs> it just shuts down USB 3.0s across the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this thing where everyone's like, oh, my controller stopped working. <laughs> USB C is like a mild fine. inconvenience. USB C's like are fine, but USB females, ironically, <laughs> are screwed because of the geese and honk. <laughs> That's the closest I've got to screwing a female. I'm going to give it that. <laughs> at, at best, it's Lee in a wig. So, highly, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to Trekking Up North. We are <laughs> professional and thankfully we don't have a guest to, to impede on this nonsense this week. Hello to Lee in a wig. <laughs> <laughs> if you've probably not guessed already. I, I love the idea of it's literally, it's like my dreams of my perfect woman and it's literally Lee just in Lee a wig. in a wig. <laughs> but like, not like made up properly or anything. It's just we've put a, a cheap shake and bake wig on Lee. <laughs> and some lipstick and I'm just like yeah I could totally be straight <laughs> see my perfect woman will be Lee in a wig where Lee's got a well maintained car anyway <laughs> if you haven't um, guessed already this is a pre-recorded trekking up north due to scheduling issues because we are very in demand people in the world of things because I'm in bloody London tomorrow because it's drag con so I'm going to be on my heels all weekend interviewing all the wonderful queens and it's amazing because we we requested interviews with like 
loads and loads of like really famous queens and they all got accepted and we're like oh great i guess we're chatting to this person you know which is really amazing but also a bit nerve-wracking so uh yeah i thought and because i'll be in london i was like do i want to do this in a hotel room and take a whole like or you know like desk mic with me no let's pre-record so sorry everyone but hope you're having a good evening <laughs> Just wait until we're in Vegas and we're doing this shit on the road. That's all I'm going oh, to can you imagine? Are we going to have to take like a proper mic with us in the suitcase? Oh, for yeah. no other purpose than like oh, yeah. doing this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for TSA to go, yo, what's the phallic looking thing in the suitcase? It's <laughs> okay, doctor. It's my microphone. Yeah, that's my penis. Here's my microphone. <laughs> Ironically, both USB powered. Um... Yeah. <laughs> that's why it's fallen off now. Yes, that's why it's disconnected because of the Gikisian burn. There was a power surge, and now it's constantly on mute. Um, <laughs> yes, so we are pre-recording this episode uh, of Trekking <laughs> up north. It has been a week for both me and Sonoid. Um Me very quickly uh, working very hard behind the scenes, uh, trying to get the year planned for Trekking up north and being on. I think I've been on five other podcasts in the last <laughs> week and like it's a, have you slept michael well i i did finish a podcast at 2 a.m that's not sleeping well mm. <laughs> uh so yeah huge shout out to unplanned trek uh for allowing me to be on and talking bullshit uh <laughs> <laughs> um just, i love the yeah. uh, the episode that you were doing as well like i haven't seen the full thing yet but it's the the fact of like where the sexiest <laughs> Let's look at the sexiest episodes of Trek. <laughs> yes, this is episode 48 of 50 of 50 Shades of Trek. Uh, reviewing the sexiest episodes of Trek. And I actually more or less demanded that we do Owlman Bashir purely because Garrick's in a turtleneck. Um, mm. And who is not aroused by light choking? <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> light choking mm. amateur. The pips make it better. The... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, um, so it's it's been a long way, and then obviously we we've uh, I've I've actually encountered a, a slightly toxic angle of trek this week, <laughs> where I had someone. I I think though you know like before we go into it that the the double sider of this one is nearly said double ender there, and I was like oh different kind of weekend, <laughs> but it's the um but a give and take. Well, <laughs> 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 What happens in Vegas stays on Vegas unless you put on OnlyFans. Um, but the, <laughs> but the, uh, what was the point I was making? Oh yeah, we, we've seen toxicity, but then we've seen loads of Trek people come out to support people and go, hey, warning, warning, warning. And you're like going, that's kind of cool that there's people trying to protect at the same time as there's toxicity. You it know? was absolutely incredible because we were, we were approached uh, and they were wanting to come on the show and, not i mean i i've only really been engaged in the trek community proactively in about for about a year oh christ mm. a year exactly nearly that's gonna be <laughs> scary uh so i don't know a lot of uh people who have been around in the community for a long time and i was like i don't really know who they are i will do my checks and i will get back to you and people just came to the forefront they were just like no 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 we are mm. gonna you know you don't want this you don't want to go down this route and it, the support that we got was absolutely amazing and i am thankful for that 
Um, we don't endorse any type of toxicity whatsoever on trekking mm. up north. Uh, all trek is good trek. Yes, there are some weak and there are some uh, good, but we don't want to go down that route um, like many other um, toxic trek fans mm. have done. Uh, so the support that we got was absolutely fantastic. Huge shout out to Sean uh, from Trek Culture, who uh, <laughs> in his in his trademark reply was was much more better than what I was doing. <laughs> Can I come on? Are you joking? No, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> I. I... I think it's lovely though that we've got people asking to be on the to be guests on the show, and yet it's like we've kind of had to make an active thing of going like, well, we don't want like like um like Dan and Sammy did with Monsters Up North. We're like, hey, we need some episodes where we don't have guests. Like yeah. we need to kind of be like, let's get guests on when we can, but let's, you know, you can't be on sale all the time. So it's that idea yeah. of just like. We we but, do have uh, as crazy as it is as it is, guys. I have I've planned guests as late as August the thirtieth, um, which is insane. Um, there is there is so too many, many people. Yeah, too many people. There are so <laughs> many guests um, coming on. We've got we've got the lovely James Moorhead uh, from Twitch mm. and YouTube coming on. Uh, we've got David from last week's episode of Trekking Up North coming back because he is far mm-hmm. too handsome not to be on the show. <laughs> he balances out us. Um, and uh, yeah, we've just got loads of other people. We've got Mark coming back. We've got everyone coming yeah. back. It's going to be fun. But the the support that we got from the Trek family, the the the, the whole Trek family on, on the Twitter sphere and on social media was, was wonderful. And I am eternally grateful for these people going, hey, don't really. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a bit of a dickhead. So, thank you so much for that. But this week, science well, officer. Sonoid. Speaking of problematic things, yes. This week we're we're reviewing the episode "Requiem for Methuselah" from Star Trek: The Original Series, season three. So you know it's going to be. You so... warned me about season three. You were like, "Oh, original series is great. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy it." Season three, though, and I was just like, "Oh, it can't be that bad." This is the first episode I think we've had from season three, and yeah. and you're saying it's one of the better ones. Whereas I'm, this is the first time I've actually been annoyed with original series stuff because you know yeah. you know the thing. I don't want to I don't want to be like you know uh, what's what's the word that Piers Morgan's using these days woke you know uh, <laughs> to, to quote some fat gammon. Um, but it's the idea of like. This is not a good episode. This is a very toxic episode where even at the time, with it being the 60s, I would probably be like, people should be walking away from this being like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck are they doing? You know, it's... We we see a very... We see incel Kirk is basically the way I'm going to phrase it. You know? It's a very troubled episode. There are very gaping plot well not plot holes but just issues with it mm. uh star trek the original series famously what was it 79 episodes 30 good ones yeah uh, that's normally the the running joke season three was where it really took a dive paramount renewed it due to fan demand you know because <laughs> was this, like... this was a time where paramount actually listened to their fans <laughs> star trek they still Legacy. didn't have merch though well they got the spock hat eventually I mean, 
just just as an aside before we get into this because we're not going to do a scene by scene so this is going to be a quicker episode mm. but this week we had uh the announcement that paramount are going to be doing another star trek movie parallel to star trek 4 set decades before the 2009 movie in the kelvin verse mm. now there is a few problems with this one the kelvin verse really was only 25 years old because yeah. obviously the kelvin verse it started with the kelvin yeah. Uh, so how can you go decades before? That's just the prime timeline. Two, why are you not <laughs> I listening? I was waiting for just the, the why. <laughs> why are you not? Well, I mean, an explanation would be nice. But every single Star Trek fan since April, no, well, since February last year, mm. have all said the one thing that they want, Star Trek Legacy. Mm. There's been petitions, over 60,000 signatures. It is constantly trending on Twitter. Everyone wants a continuation of uh, the, the TNG era, uh, era with uh, Seven of Nine on the Enterprise. Mm. Not one peep from Paramount about this, not acknowledging it. Even if they just said it's not, a, you know, we're not considering it or anything like that, that would be brilliant. We have heard nothing. But then they come out and go, Starfleet Academy series, uh, Section 31 <laughs> movie, uh, there is a Picard script, and uh, yeah, we're doing a movie in the Kelvin universe that's technically not set in the Kelvin universe because it's decades before Star Trek Online. It, it's Do a weird one, listen? but I, I wonder if they're just following the money. And they're just going, hey, we make far more money from random Hollywood movies because, like, you know, they can make millions rather than a TV show. I I wonder if that's the case. I wonder if they're just, like, going, hey, we made more money from those movies than we did from Picard Season 3 or Strange New Worlds, which is depressing, but it shows that what fans want and what the audience want isn't what's important to them. I think. Which is crazy because at a time when they did listen to the fans, we got Strange New Worlds, mm. which has been critically acclaimed, recognised, awarded. And you're like, this is what you can achieve when you listen to the fans, because when you give the fans what they want, they will watch it. Whereas mm. if you just go, look at this, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. no. And we, we've seen it with Star Wars, with mm. the announcement of the new movies and the director. Uh, who has been, some would say, quite opinionated and controversial, and it's sort of like, okay, mm. why do you know what I, like? Why are you not listening to your fans? Why are you not taking the feedback from the people that watch your stuff? Um, and mm. yeah, it's it's been it, it's it's very frustrating, and I'm not saying I'm not happy that we are getting new Trek because we are getting Star Trek anyway, but it's mm. like what it's, I think it's the lack of acknowledgement the, that this is what the fans want and just for someone to say we understand we're not going to do it or we are looking into it just some some sort of acknowledgement that you are doing it would appease a lot of us it, it sounds really uh like bratty but this is the christmas present that you didn't ask for and you're not that bothered about this is the Oh, that's nice. I'll just put it over here. That's how I feel about this new film announcement. When you, you know, when you've basically gone like, yeah, that's cool, but this is kind of what I'm looking forward to, or 
why did you spend the money kind of we, thing? we might be we might be completely wrong <laughs> we we might be completely wrong and we have i think it'll do well, really well yeah. like loads of people like the like like the um those universe films they're big action films and it's good because i think it could be a good thing because it'll keep the action out of trek like it'll stop like yeah actual if they do legacy they'll stop it being a hollywood roller coaster ride of explosions and lens flares and stuff because they'll have gone oh we got all of that in this film that's that's me flipping it to be positive i think we we could be completely wrong and they could be working secretly behind the scenes doing all this and they're going to reveal it on a poignant day like first contact day or star trek day we could <clears> just be completely self-entitled pricks going oh, we want this and yeah. be like well we have been working on it we were just trying to get these out before we we diverted all the attention onto legacy which is is fair enough I well think at least this doesn't go on the internet for uh us to be proved wrong and look really silly in the future or anything i'm always looking stupid it's fine <laughs> um I've got remember time. set an alarm to delete this video in like a year's time um I, like i said all trek is good trek at least we are still getting it but i think a lot of fans are naturally frustrated that you know people have petitioned and, and campaigned for this for a year mm. and we've heard nothing but they're like oh we're doing this and we're doing this and it's just like I, I, people want to be acknowledged and listened to uh, and Star Trek fans have proven time and time again that when they are listened to and when they t when Paramount listens to them, mm. it can be fruitful. Um, and like I said, look at Strange New World. And and this is the problem, though. It's because Paramount haven't got the things in place to actually monetize that. They obviously are looking at it being like, oh, Strange New Worlds hasn't made us much money. And you're like, what merch did you release for it? Yes. Oh, Oh right, so well, why were you expecting to make so much money, you know, of a thing that you put on streaming services on your own silly platform that isn't very good and <laughs> frustrates me? It's yeah, merch merchandising has been a nightmare the the past. But year. yeah, well, we've already done all the merchandising yeah, talk have. like last week, but it is that idea of going. I would have spent a lot of money on that had it existed, but you know. Just let oh. the third parties benefit it, like Hero Within, with all the jackets and all the uni all the uniforms. Let them benefit it. If you're not yeah. going to do it, let someone else do it. Anyway, season <laughs> three, Requiem for Methuselah. Yeah, let's get right into this because th this is where the Enterprise is orbiting a planet. Because half can, the can I do the summary of this? Oh, can I? Do. I want to see how quickly I can get through the summary of this episode because half of it feels like a bad B plot that like a producer just stepped in and went, oh, hang on, we need this, you know. So basically, there is an outbreak of Rigelian fever, fever on the Enterprise. Three are already dead. The only cure for it is some is a, a vaccine. Well, it's like a vaccine from Vitalin. Yeah. Yeah. And they oh, this is the only planet they found of, with Vitalin on it. So they, uh, yeah. So basically, they, they beam down, they do a scan, and they're like, oh, it turns out there's human life here, even though there didn't seem to be any from orbit. I wonder what happens. Then they all get attacked by a robot. Then a guy turns up who's in control of the robot, and he's... Well, it's not a robot. It's like a little... It's a lampshade on string. It, it's a lampshade on a string. Like, literally, like the, the director's cut has the guy with a fishing rod <laughs> operating it, like, in the background. <laughs> No, I love it. It literally has a scene where when when uh, the guy like Flint appears and he's just like, "No, stand back, robot." It, the robot is attached to the camera, pulling back with the camera, and I'm like, 
Someone thought that was an amazing special effect. Jerry Anderson was sat Someone there. Someone was going, really pleased with them. Jerry Anderson was sat there and he was just going, What are you doing? <laughs> it's, I'm literally looking at him. They're like, they just sellotaped the robot to the camera. Like, what have they done? You know? Just like, oh, well, I might as well use a gaffer tape while I'm holding it. But um, oh, yeah, it, it hasn't aged well. But yeah, basically. Him, uh, him and Kirk get into an argument because for some reason this is offensive, but Kirk is on the rag in this episode. Mr. He Flint. is just unnecessarily angry at everyone and Flint. And Flint is just like, no, you can't get the right, you can't get the stuff. Oh, your crew's gonna die. It doesn't matter, humans are evil. That kind of standard fare. He they they have a battle of um, they have an argument, they both threaten to kill each other. And then basically he goes, okay, cool. You can have the you can have the uh, right Allen. Let's them into the house. Then they discover that he has a beautiful sister or daughter or woman he lives with. Uh, and then Kirk falls in love with her. And then it turns out that the right Allen they digged up wasn't correct, and they have to get some more. Uh, and then Kirk basically molests this woman because he's obsessed that she's in love with him. Uh, and then. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and then basically the robot attacks them. They kill the robot. Uh, then he threatens them by making the Enterprise small and mm. threatens them with his power. He doesn't quite explain how he does any of this, which is quite obscure. Uh, and then yeah, and then they get the right Allen in the end, and they cure the plague, and everyone dies, which is basically just what we we see throughout the episode. <laughs> Uh, because the initial standoff uh, where they are, you know, where Kirk is, is they're both trying to call each other's uh, bluff. Mm. Uh, and then McCoy goes, have you know, have you ever seen the effects of uh, Rigelian fever? It's like the bubonic yeah. plague. And he's like, Constantinople, summer 1334, the rats in the streets killed half of Europe. And you're like, yeah. oh, you are, are you a, stu this a student knowledge. of history? <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like the, this idea, like, the, the thing is, this episode has an amazing idea. I love the actual core idea of this. It's just the B plot that becomes the A plot ruins it, where basically you've got this idea of you've got Flint, who is this mysterious man living on this planet with this woman who doesn't seem to be all there. Like she literally, like uh, her name's uh, Raina, mm -hmm. and she basically spends the entire episode walking around looking like she's left the oven on. Or that she's just about to remember something. Or like, watching so the world's first flat screen television in <laughs> 1969, yeah. which just, is amazing. The entire thing is just, she's just like. It's it's like I said, <laughs> it's, just like, what? It's, it's the bar that Kristen Stewart has remained at. And it's okay. absolutely amazing. Where it's just, Raina it's, can't even blame uh, Botox, though. Or, or, you know, it's just. But, it's but, Kristen Stewart, like, facial paralysis, I think. But but getting back to Flint, we are led all the way through the episode. This man is mysterious. And he's, he is a mm. collector of, of human antiquities, of yeah. art, of music. And Spock is examining it, and he's going, this is this is the Da Vinci painting. This is by Brahms, this piece of music that I am playing yeah. on the piano. But, but none of it has ever been released. Yeah, like, it's, it's the sort of thing of, hey, this music is Brahms. This is Brahms's handwriting in the notation. And... We no one's ever heard it. It is an unknown. Never been catalogued like the painting. Unknown works of Da Vinci. Yeah. 
and and it's quite good that it kind of subverts you a little bit because it kind of goes oh maybe it could all be an illusion maybe yeah. this could be like a sort of holodeck or something and it kind of plays with what we've come to expect from the series and then it turns out it's actually something way cooler which i think is like a badass kind of plot thing yeah but then obviously we have that we have the mystery of flint and all of that and then the b plot is basically this woman that he has uh, Kirk is in love with and is trying to sort of get in her pants for the whole episode. In the matter of an hour, he yeah. falls in love with this random woman on a small planet. Yeah, who in gives him nothing. It is like I, I've watched this episode twice now just to, before I start saying shit about it. But it is the equivalent. Like, that's why I said incel earlier, because it is the equivalent of a guy being like, oh, a woman looked at me across the bar. Oh, she's gagging for it. And you're just like, no. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like it's it's literally the kindest thing she says to him in the entire episode is, where is it? Uh, oh, where is it? I'm glad you did not die. Yeah. That is, you know, that is... Yeah. It, it's... <laughs> This 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 woman who has apparently been with Flint for many years, who has never encountered other humans or alien races, wants to meet these humans, wants to just, you know, oh, so that's a Vulcan. Oh, well, this Vulcan is not uh, equal to your superior intellect. You will I, find I, it will, I, I will actually say, I will actually say, um, I do quite like a bit of Raina's sort of like weird racism where basically she just goes, one of them is not human. Oh, he's a Vulcan. Ah, I must ask him. <laughs> I must ask him about subdimensional physics. It's like going, oh, they're Chinese, are they? They can help me with my maths homework. You know, it's like, what if he's a what if he's a Vulcan that doesn't do that? You know, he's a Vulcan. He's like an artist or something. What if he installs double glazing? You you don't. Yeah, know. she's like, oh, Vul all Vulcans know subdimensional physics. Obviously, it's very typecast from a person who has never encountered the Vulcans. But again, you can sort of <laughs> yeah. play them off, going, yeah, but she's never encountered Vulcans, and all the Vulcans that she has read up on will be the ones who have published works on that sort yeah. of field. So she's like, oh well, therefore they must all be theoretical physicists. They must all be, <laughs> and you know, it's like, oh well. You are a human, therefore you must be a decorator. Hmm. And it's a like, well, imagine. I can't wait to speak to this McCoy about internal interior decorating. What is your wallpapering sk skills like? I I'm a neurosurgeon. Ah, so you paint with no. Uh, well, I I think this is also the best thing of like obviously Kirk being like, oh, she's in love with me. I'm in love with her. Where she just totally blanks him when she when she comes into the room for the first time after getting introduced. She gets introduced to them. And then she basically goes, oh, Spock, I would like to talk to you about uh, physics and stuff. And then she's like, and then he's like, oh, this is Captain Kirk. And she's like, Captain Kirk? Anyway, McCoy, you know. It's, I, I it's would have loved it. So I, Kurt. I would have absolutely loved it if Rena fell in love with Spock instead yeah. of Kirk. Uh, booking the the trend that in the original series where Kirk gets the woman. <laughs> where it's, it, it, it is instead Spock that she falls in love with because that's we her intellectual equal. Well, I think I think the the point with this, I'm gonna give her the agency, and this is one thing that I think is wonderful about this episode. And I don't know if the actress meant it who plays Raina, yeah. but she gives nothing. And I kind of think that if you take the script of this episode, what is actually said could very much be that she is a person who does fall in love with Kirk, 
and then they get caught out and she is madly in love with him, but it doesn't work out kind of thing. But she doesn't play it that way. She plays it like she is not interested in the slightest. She gives nothing. Every moment where they kiss in this episode, she doesn't lean into him. She just stands there and he just kisses like a mannequin. And she's very much like what you would be if someone was trying to assault you in a club. You'd be like, no. Or you'd be like, "Uh, go away, please. You know, that is how she plays it. And I wonder if the actress attempted this because she knew that it was just another episode where it's like, oh, look, it's a girl. She must be naturally in, like attracted to Kirk. But it's but it's the fact of like the whole the, the script does seem to be that she falls in love with him. Even Kirk, even Spock goes, oh, she was in love with you. And yet the actress gives nothing. There is no indication at all that she cares for Kirk. But but and I wonder. But hear me out. Devil's advocate here. Hmm is the reason why she shows nothing because of who she is or what she is, where mm. she cannot process that. And when she is avail- like eventually able to process it, mm. it's too late. So say, so we, we won't spoil it just yet, but do, do you know mm. what I mean? Where it gets to yeah. a point where, the, you know, Kirk is experiencing this. Kirk is expressing the emotions she is conflicted fighting trying to discover what this is and when she eventually does when it's all revealed mm. it's too much yeah well i i can i can see that that point of view but i would argue it the other way and be like because she because she's put into a catch 22 mm. she can't find a solution out of it cuz she's literally put in a position of Oh, you have to you have to love this guy, or you have to love this guy. There's no other option for you. Yeah. And literally, how do you deal with that? You know, you kind of go, hey, this guy's my livelihood, and you know, he puts me up and you know, he's he's taught me everything he knows. This guy has offered me all these opportunities and stuff. Oh, but I'm not allowed to turn either of them down. What happens is basically the only way out, really. So you kind of wonder if maybe it's actually a sort of a defense mechanism from a horrible situation like that's how i've chosen to interpret it perhaps but we we will we'll get to that revelation of Mm. of reina uh, (laughs) later on because i'm loving this conversation let's focus on flint for the moment for the moment because the the mystery all the way through the episode is who is this flint he's got all these antiquities all these all these Mm. things who is he the the records in the enterprise can't find a flint you can see in the picture below how cool he looks. Like, I, I really like Flint. The hair may be a, a choice, but the outfit he wears literally looks like Becky from The Office. Not The Office, just an office that you work at. Like, getting dressed up for the work Christmas party and she found something nice on Sheen. That's basically the, the whole outfit that he's wearing, and I love it. I it's... thought it was Renfair Dunnell Mill Curtain. But, um... <laughs> he's just put the... <laughs> I love the little, he's just, oh, I'll put a purple cape on, it's fine, go on. So, the Enterprise Records finds nothing about Flint, finds nothing about Rayner. The planet was purchased 30 years ago by someone called Mr. Beck. There is no record of them or anything Mm. like that. And all the way through the episode, the mystery lingers and lingers and lingers. And then it is is actuated by Spock, by, by Spock saying, yes, these are paintings by Picasso, but they are 
unknowns. They are not catalogued. They are used. Uh, we know it's uh, not Picasso. Uh, mm. Da Vinci. We yeah. know it's Da Vinci because it's the methods methods that he used. It's the materials that he used. It's a contemporary canvas. However, although they are not catalogues or, or mm. known they are definitely da vinci's same with the composition that uh of, of the waltz that spock plays it is definitely brahms it is done in brahms's handwriting mm. it is his methods it is an it is a hundred percent brahms so you like, know that can you imagine spock when he comes across the idea of forgery <laughs> like you know this idea of imagine him on ebay just being like no it's genuine it's you know it looks just like a da vinci it's a fake um, <laughs> he honored it. It's a fake. He'd, he'd have found that Romulan hollow suite. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so it's it's then revealed that this mysterious human who is human. Yeah. Um, that there is some peculiar <laughs> details about his DNA. Well, although he is human, there are attributes that are concerning McCoy. Whereas those extreme aging, this human mm. is six thousand years old why is he six thousand years old and it is revealed that he has gone by many names all well, over the can years. i just answer that question there is no reason why he is this old like <laughs> that is the big plot hole of the episode that it's like hey let's focus on this weird love story well the, you know love story let's not explain how this guy is six thousand years old this is <laughs> this is a, this is a star trek plot hole <laughs> Much like the planting of DNA on the planets across the galaxy in TNG, that this is a profound moment that has never ever discussed <laughs> ever again. Yeah, never. Just... And we'll get to that point because it is revealed that this man was born in 3834 BC and has gone by many names: Brahms, Leonardo da Vinci, Solomon, <laughs> Alexander, Lazarus, Meth. Thusler, Merlin, <laughs> or Brunson. He is... And then nothing after yeah, then. He is Leonardo... <laughs> then, he just, he is, then he just had a bit of a rest for 200 years. He is Leonardo da Vinci, who moved to this planet to escape humanity. And it, 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 this man was pierced through the heart during a battle and found that he had instant regeneration of health and can never die. He was immortal. Mm. And this is a profound moment for Star Trek. This is like you are meeting Da Vinci, Brahms, all these great people throughout history that is one person. Yep. But here's a bit of totty, so let's focus on that. And it turns, you know? out, and it turns out Da Vinci, he just wants a bit of nookie. And he is he is created because he's immortal and he's been married hundreds of times and he's seen the ravages of age and he's fell in love and they have died and he is not and he's faked his life all the way through that he wanted someone who was an equal counterpart to him who was immortal. So he started constructing androids, which leads us on to the B plot of Reynard being Sinoise. A robot woman. A robot. <laughs> An android. Woman. <laughs> who can only have her emotions activated by a horny James T. Kirk. Which is which is the, the thing, because basically the plot is that, uh, you know, because I, I wrote it down as like a weird plot hole, because basically what happens is Flint goes, okay, cool, you can have the right Alan. I'll get my robot to dig some up and then process it. Mm. And then they do this, and then it turns out that the right Alan's no good and there's a fault with it. 
And then he goes, oh, I'll dig up some more and we'll do it again. I don't know why that happens, because he does not want them there. At the point where they dig up the right Allen, he doesn't want them there. He wants them gone as quickly as possible. The justification. But then he still locks them there. You know, he still sort of prolongs their visit by having this subterfuge, apparently because he wants the android to hang out with uh, Kirk so that her emotions will be activated, because he just immediately goes... Hey, Kirk is a sexy man, so he can instill emotions in her. And but the problem is, he does this. You know, he must have instigated this plan when he still hated Kirk, which seems a bit of a weird one. You know, <laughs> like it's... it's it's strange because you see, you realise that the only way for her, because he's tried building androids as we find sixteen times before. Mm. Um, and he's shit at recycling because he just puts them on a shelf like really weird dead-eyed pops. And <laughs> he... It's Paul's next collection thing. It, it dead really androids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then it, it's this plan of, I don't like Kirk, but Kirk can be used to activate the emotions in Reyna. So when her emotions are fully fledged and she becomes this this true activated sentient android with all these complex emotions i will then step in and be her one true love for all eternity and it's sort of there is a i can't believe i'm saying this on tracking up north mm. there is a severe cuckold vibe going on <laughs> with this because it's like yeah. the only way that she can get aroused is by another man and then when she is i can step in yeah it is very it is the, the very much this idea of he's he's sitting there watching them on the monitor That's where true. it's obviously like just, you know, like her just being like sort of totally indifferent to Kirk and then Kirk being like, I'm in love with you and trying to hug her and kiss her and stuff. And you're like going, oh, OK, in, what, in what hour, is guys, he getting out of this? He fell in love with someone in an hour. Yeah. One it's, hour. Yeah. The whole episode is just very uncomfortable and it annoys me because what an amazing idea. The idea that there is a guy who has lived for 6,000 years is all of these famous people rolled into one who keeps having to change identity throughout cult, you know, throughout like history and stuff, does all of their, you know, and then they meet him and they have all these questions and stuff. Totally ignored. That That is, the, you know, we don't find out why he is immortal. We don't know, you know, how he's done this or what he experienced on Earth to make him sort of flee away and do that. And instead, we focus on this Kirk molesting a woman story, which is... But, but, yeah. also, but also, I am very much, all the way through this episode, I am very much on the Spock side of everything. Because let's not forget, Kirk is the captain of 400 people on a ship mm. ravaged by an epidemic. And mm. Spock, all the way through this episode, keeps saying, we have got bigger concerns than yeah. a woman. <clears throat> we have got an epidemic. We have got a time factor. We need to get this done above all else. And he's the only one keeping Kirk in check throughout this episode to basically... I mean, Kirk is... You could he understand. is so unprofessional, Kirk. Kirk you is could, literally yeah. just like... Oh, we're here. Oh, but like, I think that's the most depressing thing that Kirk is like, oh, I will, I, you know, I were, you know, like, oh, well, we can't stay for dinner because basically Flint goes, hey, do you want to stay for dinner? I'm sorry about being a dick earlier. And Kirk's like, no, we have to go. And then uh, Flint gestures and then sort of Rayna comes out. And then Kirk immediately goes, 
oh, ooh, a sexy lady. She must be in love with yeah. me yeah. because naturally she's a woman and all women love me. And and then suddenly the whole plan goes out the window. He's not bothered about anything. He's only bothered about getting into her pants. And like you say, aside from the segue where he decided where Spock's playing the piano, he's very much kind of going, "Hey, we need, we've got a job to do. We kind of need to do this." It's infuriating it's, because there there is a scene when they are fighting towards the end of the episode where where Flint and Kirk are fighting. Hmm. Spock and McCoy are trying to say, "For God's sake, we've got bigger things." And he's like, "Yeah, we are fighting over a woman." That is in the script. We are fighting over a woman. Yeah. This is the captain of a ship. This is a plague ship at the moment. People are dying. And yeah. he is thinking with his dick all the way through most of We're... this episode. And it is infuriating <clears throat> that he's not he's not infected by a disease. He's not compromised. He is yeah. literally There is no reason for him to be this much of a dick in this no. episode. Like, he's just in love. He is like Oh, I'm in such a bad mood. That's why I'm like, he, you know, is he's just like, he. Why is he so angry? And I maybe the scriptwriter just didn't know Kirk very well, or you know, maybe they were like, oh, he has to be, you know, a, a man like a sort of John Wayne angry man kind of thing. I don't yeah. know. It was it was absolutely it was infuriating because, like I said, every other every other. It's it's not even a slight on on Kirk as a character as a whole. It's just this episode. Because we know from previous episodes and the, the subsequent movies and everything mm. like that, Kirk will always put his crew first. He will sacrifice himself for his crew. In this episode, though, he's like, oh, 400 people are dying. Ah, never mind. I'm in love with this person I met an hour ago. And it's like... Wait, mm. I... Yeah, and the, the worst thing for me is that he never seems to factor in how she feels at all. Like, he he doesn't... Yeah, he he literally just and it's it's the irony of it, the fact that maybe irony is not the right word, but it's the fact of he calls Flint out on the stuff that he does himself. Like the yep. hypocrisy is crazy. Like he goes, "Ha ha, Flint, you treated her like an object. You, I hate it when you order her around and stuff like that." And then he immediately is like, you have to come with me. Come with me to the Enterprise, you know. And it's like, he doesn't know what she likes. He doesn't know what sort of person she is. There's no time for any of that. He just goes, oh, you're sexy. It doesn't matter if you're interested in me. It doesn't matter if you respond to me at all. You're coming with me. And it is it is horrible to watch and really toxic. <laughs> but but the, the cherry on top of this cake is at the end of the fighting where Rena is saying, stop, as soon as this person starts to feel emotion, she dies. Yeah. What does that say about women <laughs> as a whole? Where it's just like, this person has finally discovered love. Oh, she loved more than one person. Yeah, she did. Well, I think, that, I think that the thing is, okay, is that basically this is the, the bad thing. I just got a note here saying Flint was Brahms, Da Vinci, Solomon, Lazarus, Methuselah, Merlin, etc. He's like Michael Burnham in terms of he did everything. <laughs> He's responsible for everything. Oh, the angel's not Michael Burnham. It's a it's a mom. Oh no, it was any, it was anyway. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> so you tried to fool me, but uh, yeah, no. But I think it's the fact of basically Rayner finally gets agency. After being a robot, after being a drone for so long, seeing them fight over her, she finally works out 
agency and stands up for herself and tells them both, I choose what I want to do, where I want to go, do not order me. And she's not saying it to Flint, she's saying it to both of them. Yeah. And it's, and this is the idea. And it's the going, a woman who stands up to being treated like an object then dies, which I find is a because she's become self. Going, yeah. Oh well, sorry, woman. Woman stood up for herself. She has to die. You know, a woman has the ability to choose death, and it's yeah. It, it's so. How, like, Raina how... decides to die rather than go with either of them. How... That's what I wrote down. In Star Trek, even in the sixties, was this like? Yep, that's fine. It, it's like, oh well, she's a robot. Doesn't really matter, and it's like. But then, when they get back to the Enterprise, and just to wrap up all this story, mm. this profound revelation that this person is this iconic, multiple oh, this so figures throughout the history, where they're just like, oh, well, he when he moved to that planet, he left the complex fields of Earth, and he's just going to live out a normal lifespan and die. Yeah. So, so what we have here is basically the Enterprise as the bad guys of this episode, effectively, because they basically arrive on a planet immediately make demands of the guy living there, uh, you know, end up threatening him when he tries to defend himself, uh, ends up molesting his wife slash daughter slash, you know, sort of uh, person he lives with uh, or whatever that admittedly he does, he, he has feelings for, but that doesn't really factor into it. Uh, they destroy one of his robots, which is one of his uh, main companions. Mm -hmm. uh, then they try to break into a part of his house uh, and then, yeah, and then they uh, get uh, what they get, get what they came for. Well, get into a fight with him, get what they came for, leave, and then he finds out that actually uh, he's going to die. Like, which you know, and you're just like, what? <laughs> you know? All of this is ironic because even in this episode it, during the billiard scene, uh, the, Flint says, you know, you you are your ship is one of colonization of stripping. Mm. Uh, stripping planets of resources. Uh, your your ship is is you know absolutely full of weapons and stuff. And Kirk goes, "Oh, we are one of peace, and our weapons are purely of defense." And <laughs> you then, did just threaten to kill him with phasers. Yeah, and then you threaten to destroy him, his home, take his missus, kill yeah. one of his, destroyed one of his robots. Who and, knows how many thousands of years that robot, like how many yeah. hundreds of years that robot has been his like servant, and, and then it dies because it tries to protect a woman from Kirk, you know, which is literally that scene. It's just it's like, so, oh god, and it's so season three, and it's it like you, I've I have watched Star Trek. I am probably one of the few people of my generation where I started with the original series. I grew up from the original series all the way through. Mm. I have seen Star Trek hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And when you when you see them as a as a child and as a as a young person, you don't really take things into account. When you review them mm. when you're older, you're just like, that's a really dick move by Kirk. You know, this mm. this great captain in this episode, he's a dick. He he is a massive. He has put the the his entire crew in jeopardy for this one and the woman. crew. <laughs> well, yeah, his entire and the crew, crew yeah, in jeopardy as well it, because of this one woman. And it's, that's the thing it, because of this incident, the guy could have literally killed them. Like the guy could have, you know, he even threatens to kill the entire crew because of Kirk's actions. You know, where like the whole making the crew small and yeah, he's right demonstrating there, in, on the power. screen right yeah, now. Yeah, he shrinks the ship down to to yeah. one of these. 
Would he have done that had Kirk not have behaved how he behaves? No. So getting the crew, you know, it's like a pissing off entities, like space entities, because you can only think with your dick. But you it's... could you could have done this better by showing that Kirk, above all else, is a Starfleet captain. Get mm. the cure done, and as the cure is being done, still have this conflict about Reyna. Um, yeah. and him and Flint have this love triangle. You could you could do that, but instead they were like, no, 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 no. So the the jeopardy is his crew will die if he doesn't take away Flint's bit of cake away because Kirk's in love with her after an hour, and it's like it would have what this episode would have worked so much better as a two parter, like the Menagerie. I think it would have worked where it has a that. first episode that is all about the cure. It's all about the, uh, you know, right, they're getting the right talent, the Rigelian fever, and they go down to this planet, they meet this crazy guy. Over the course of the episode, they find out that he's actually, you know, this ancient being, this like Leonardo thing, and then they meet her, and then they cure the fever, that's all done with, but then they hang around and Kirk... You know, and then they sort of pry into, wow, the how has this guy lived this long? And that episode two is all about sort of why he's lived this long, why he created, you know, and then obviously the twist is, and then Kirk falling in love with her, trying to form a relationship there and then having a relationship and her actually starting to respond to him, like having the actress actually respond to Kirk, yeah, whatnot, and then ending with, oh, she's a robot. Oh, you know, like he dies and stuff. The the fact that all of this happens while the threat of the fever, Rigelin, Rigelin fever is still there makes it just seem very, why are you worrying about this when this is happening? And even Spock points it out, which mm. is infuriating because that leads, you know, that leads us to believe that the writers also knew that, but then they were like, no, no, Kirk is just thinking with his pants. I love yeah. I, I love how you've you know you you've said how could we make this better for me in terms of this would be an epi- this would be <laughs> don't make it <laughs> this going to be your solution well, well no but this would be an episode ripe for retconning because you could say that Flint Da Vinci Solomon mm. was a lamponite same as Carol Kane's yeah. character from Strange New Worlds where they're a race where they live for thousands and thousands of years because Carol Kane is easily six thousand. Uh, years old. I can't remember. I love how you're not mentioning the character's name. You're saying Carol Kane specifically, the actress. I can't remember. I can't remember the name. Forgive me. I mean, Scrooge was only the 80s, admittedly. I'm going to. I'm going to do the name. I'm going to have to Google the name. Pelia. 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 I just love the idea of like, no, no, Pelia. Pelia is just a character and stuff. Carol Kane is immortal. But in terms, because this is this is the issue, guys. Da Vinci is featured in Star Trek Voyager as Janeway's holographic uh, mentor because one of Played the by heroes, Jonathan Reese davis who is a little different to this guy. From Indiana Jones, Sliders. <laughs> Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. Maybe. Well, I don't know. I don't watch walking with simulators. But um, it, it's, it, you know, and it's this is a case of Voyager and the original series, 30 years apart, obviously, they, they could have referenced it. They never did because everyone was like, mm. oh, season three, Leonardo da Vinci, maybe not. But again, <laughs> we, they could quite easily retcon this by saying that he was a lanthanite, much like Pelia, who yeah. lived for thousands of years, blah, 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 and that's it. 
whether or not they do that, I don't know. But it, it's just they could have done it. They could have the approached it better. Yeah. It, it, at the moment, it's very weird that it's just like, oh, he was immortal. Why? No reason. People. Some people are just immortal, and the, you're like, the complex. The okay. Complex, <laughs> you know? The complex fields on Earth meant he was immortal, right? So why did we have Star Trek Insurrection? What do you mean? We, we, Think about I, it. The, this is what bothers me about the episode because it's the fact of I kind of wonder if the writers were just not like they wanted you to look at this a certain way, and like. You know, because that thing, I never at any point during this episode get the impression that Flint is the bad guy. There's no. nothing about Flint that is a villain. But from the script, it looks like he's meant to be the villain or that we're meant to be walking away thinking that he's a villain, like that he's getting in Kirk's way or that he's like trapping this poor woman that he's created. Because at the end, when it just goes, oh, well, it turns out he's going to die kind of thing. It feels like a, oh, well, there's some comeuppance for the villain kind of thing. Like, and and it doesn't land for me because you're like, oh, that's like kicking him when he's down. Like, literally, this, this is a man. His, his, the woman he's in love with, like this robot that he's created and cherished for God knows how many years mm. and like, you know, taught and like raised effectively is dead because Kirk came along and like, you know, literally overloaded her circuits by sort of forcing her into a decision. This was a man <laughs> you know, who was, this was a man who was lonely. And then he's gonna die. <laughs> this this was a man he, he, he left Earth because obviously humanity animosity towards humanity. <laughs> he left Earth, he was lonely, he wanted to create a companion who was equal, uh, by all accounts, you know, who was immortal, his intellectual, uh peer, everything like that. He just wanted to live his life live his life in peace. They come along. They obviously get on his lawn and the, burn down his house. The, the planet, <laughs> the planet has right talent, which is what they need. They could, he could have just said, "Yes, we can purify it and we can do it and be on your way." It, it's just the the whole. It's very problematic. It is very frustrating, and yeah, I. I I didn't enjoy it. This is one of the more decent episodes of season three. Oh, really? I did. Not I mean, enjoy admittedly, it. I watched the one afterwards. I watched the one afterwards with the space hippies, the space hippies who are searching for Eden, and that is. And now to Eden, yeah, it's, brother. It's an episode. It is an episode that exists. I didn't. I. I didn't. I didn't dislike it as much as this one. Like, I didn't find it as problematic. I thought it was a bit like. This is weird, but okay, it is the original series, so I'm kind of fine with it. But it was just like, okay, it well, is a good episode. The the promised yeah. land is not always what it seems to be, or yeah. the grass is not always greener, mm. or wear shoes because grass might be acidic, <laughs> or 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 we're talking about the wrong episode now, but it's like <laughs> we've moved on. Use a goddamn tricorder to scan shit before you land. Yeah. <clears throat> Bloody space hippies. <laughs> Just, you know. <laughs> little plug for props yeah. there. Um, but, but yeah, so on the whole, um, yeah. I just, Problematic. I, I really don't like it. Like, it's it has a lot of cool ideas in it, this episode. Like, some of the lines that Rainer... I really like Rainer as a character, and I kind of... I'm going to put myself on the hill of 
I want to believe that the actress played her in a very empowering way in an episode that is very, like, you know, puts the character as being very powerless, you know? Oh, I hear you. The, she has no agency at all, and yet the actress plays her in a way of basically, you know, she has the best line in the whole thing, where Kirk goes, what interests you? And she replies, everything. Anything less is a betrayal of the intellect. And that's going to be my response in every Tinder profile I ever make. <laughs> it's like when people are Whoa. like, "What are you into?" Every, Everything. Every Anything Tinder less profile is a you ever make. How many aliases do you currently have? That's terrifying. <laughs> it's actually really weird because there's so many people that you sort of swipe left on, and then they appear again with a different thing, and you're like, "How many profiles have you created?" <laughs> it's like, and I'm swiping all of them left. <laughs> I I was on Tinder once, and it was just horrifying because oh, people no. just treat it like auto trader you <laughs> you must be this tall make this much money drive this car be the color blue have less than nineteen thousand miles on the clock and i'm just like delete um and what it are is, you it, i'm a sack of potatoes okay um <laughs> so it, yeah a tos episode coming off the menagerie, which, by the way, I love the way you said menagerie. Uh, coming off the menagerie, menagerie, where it was, it was a season one. It was peak season one. We got a, a backdoor. You know, we got to see the backdoor pilot for the original series. We got a, you know, uh, <laughs> we got Spock kidnapping a disabled person. <laughs> I also want to shout out to uh, Lee and Chris who made lots of lovely memes about that, where we had, like, Spock taking <laughs> Spock taking Pike on a roller coaster and Admiral, them going on little visits. Admiral Pike, or, you know, <laughs> just, just instead of beeping, it was an actual sensor in the 60s because Pike was just swearing in the chair. <laughs> Are you okay, Admiral? Fuck! Um, it was, <laughs> That's it. it. it just like, oh, we're going to have to censor him at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, um, wow, uh, that was it. I, I just want to say, before we finish, okay, I just want to go over some of the things, because obviously my argument here is that Raina doesn't respond to Kirk at all this episode. Like, no. we're saying she falls in love with him, but I, I'm making the argument that she doesn't. I'm making the argument that she doesn't get emotions. Like, she doesn't develop emotions at all. She the doesn't, plan fails. as soon as she but... does, she dies. But I think it's more the idea if she doesn't develop emotions, but she encounters a program loop of basically going, I am in an unwinnable situation. I am in a dilemma. I'm being put into a dilemma that I have to make a decision with that I can't make a decision on. And I think that's what kills her. It's not like not being able to handle emotions. It's not that she's in love or anything like that. I think it's purely that she's just like going what to do with an unwinnable situation because obviously captains have to do it as part of the uh so, so captain's are you saying, exam are you saying that the ultimate karma for kirk who cheated on the kobayashi maru where <laughs> someone experienced the kobayashi maru and died yeah yeah okay. basically i think that I I mean, it's literally like cra crazy stuff. Like just like all the scenes of them together. What notes have I got made? Like um, she just doesn't ever respond to him at all. She just doesn't react to him at all. Mm. And then it's like, you know, even when she, you know, he, he literally is so toxic because there's a scene where he's in the lab, like, you know, uh, doing his like captain's log. 
And then she just walks in through the door, doesn't notice him in the corner. She comes in for her own reasons and then is like looking at the lab because she's obsessed with this door she's not allowed to go into because it contains all the robots and stuff. Uh, and then Kirk comes up behind her and goes, oh, you're back, are you? You know, it's like, oh, the room just got a lot more romantic or whatever. And she's just like, oh, hi. You know, like, like not like, you know, she's just like, oh, you're here. That's cool. I'm not really that bothered. But then the hilarious thing is she says something to him. It is a thirst, a flower dying in the desert. And the first time I watched it, I didn't get what she meant here. But I interpret it as when Flint is looking at her in an earlier scene, explaining that he's in love with her and that he's annoyed that she can't reciprocate it and that she can't do that. He describes his feeling as it is a thirst, a flower dying in the desert. And I think she looks at Kirk here and sees the same look in his eyes that she sees in Flint and recognizes it as, oh, you're obsessed with me. Oh, you know, that's what that look means. Rather than her admitting that she's thirsty or she's like in love. And I kind of like this cold acknowledgement of going, oh, another horny man. Great. You know, and then moves on. But it's, yeah, it's just the whole thing bothers me and then and i love that spock being really diplomatic the last notes i've got okay is right at the end spock is like the mate who when you've broken up with your girlfriend he'll be like oh yeah she was a pile of shit anyway i never liked her kind of thing as a way of sort of you know like he's going oh yeah she loved you yeah um she was totally in love with you it's such a shame but oh well move on you know and it feels like that kind of pep talk from a mate where he's just saying shit to but, calm you down. But very much, very much like the ending of the episode with Spock, would you want to forget all of this? I think it's annoying because it kind of like you know, I would have preferred Kirk to remember. Like, we just weird, like it kind of the, the whole last scene of the episode could be in a fucking kebab shop. Like it's that kind of scene where it's literally just Kirk, he's bla- blasted <laughs> off his mind, kind of thing. You know, he's got really drunk at the club. This woman rejected him. She went home and he never got a number. And now he's having a bit of a mope in the kebab shop. He's put his head on the dirty counter and he's like, oh my God. And, you know, obviously McCoy's in the background with his fucking mixed kebab, you know, dropping half of it, coming in being like, hey, Spock, you're a fucking twat. You are. Salad. Yeah. <laughs> I asked for chili. But. <laughs> So but, and I, then and then like and then Spock being like, oh there there mate, she totally loved you. Oh well, plenty of fish in the sea. I, I mean, maybe I, you I should noted, forget. I noted right at the end of the episode, Spock equals Control A equals Delete, <laughs> because whatever character development that Kirk got throughout this episode is wiped right at the end. Mm. So there is. There is no, there is nothing to learn from this. There is nothing to gain from this. There is nothing to develop yourself from this because Spock yeah. just goes right at the end, forget. So what was the point? Yeah, it's it's annoying because I would compare bits of this episode to like Doctor Who, where no matter what Doctor Who does, you always feel like you didn't see enough of that monster, or you didn't learn enough about that monster, or you didn't get to know that character enough you know and with this i'm like we don't get to learn enough about flint we don't really get enough of reina or any kind of development for reina aside from her being like oh i've changed now i'm dead you know uh 
and then we don't get any consequences for Kirk. We don't really get Kirk being like, oh, maybe I shouldn't treat women like objects and maybe I should put the mission first and all of this lark. So it literally just walks on to the next episode like nothing ever happened. Like they didn't just ruin an immortal guy's life, you know? And it's, it, yeah, and everything about it just winds me up. And I'm kind of glad we've had this because loads of people talk about the original series where they're going like, oh, it hasn't aged well. And I'm like, oh, well, no, it's not that bad kind of thing. And it's nice to see an example of, oh, this is what they're referring to, yeah. rather than the amazing ones that we've had so far on Trekking Up North from the Dabber Wheel. Yeah. What do you think to this episode uh, yourselves, guys? Please leave a comment below. Um, yeah, it was it was a very... Yeah, it was a troubled episode. I've really stretched this one out because I feel so strongly about it. Oh, no, no, absolutely. Um, oh, my days, science officer. We've got, we've got a poll. Uh, we've, we've done a poll. But it'll be in the future. So it will be future you in the live chat explaining right now what the, the results of the poll are, I'm assuming. There will That's be, what will be happening be, right now. It will be on my Twitter, at Goodwill mm -hmm. None, and it will be in the Nerdy Up North Discord. So oh. that will be posted as soon as I finish this in the past for you in the future <laughs> to enjoy the results. Ooh, very timey, timey-wimey. Um, <laughs> however, Sir Noise, we are getting an incoming transmission. <laughs> Incoming transmission. Don't be original series. Oh no! <laughs> this <laughs> the screens Somebody have didn't change it. From somebody, somebody <laughs> didn't. Make make two of me. It can be like a transporter accident. There has been a transporter. No, oh, oh, no, my clone. I didn't my, know my twin we... brother is already dead. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing this. So what? I don't care. What are you going to do? Blow me. I'm down. but quarter of a man now. You are quarter. Oh, look at that. <laughs> but, oh no. <laughs> the joys of doing things recorded. Where hold I hold on, I'll try and fit into it. Oh, hello. <laughs> it's like a giant looking for a door, being like, "Oh, <laughs> is anyone in Whoa, there?" Whoa, that is terrifying. <laughs> Let's have a look. Where are we? The magic of television. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> what is going it, on? It's you've ruined the magic, Goodwill. <laughs> it's all ruined. Shut your handsome face. That'll do. Um, welcome to the double wheel of episodes now with an adequately sized noise. If you are new to oh, Trekkie, compared to you, I know well, that's what you're, you're like perfectly framed. I'm like, hello, hello, oh. you are just wow. Um, if you are new to Trekking Up North, the double wheel of episodes is. I forgot what we do. Yes, the, the Dabble Wheel of episodes, we spin this every week, and whatever the Dabble Wheel lands on, we will review the subsequent week. Unless it's the end of the month where we will do a movie. What are you hoping for this week, Sonoid? I'm I I found that I've put my expectations too high by saying Sabrosa <laughs> to for it to annoy you or Code of Honor. I'm just wanting anything from Anything from Enterprise, anything from DS9. Uh, yeah, Enterprise or DS9. Enterprise. We've had a Voyager one. Yeah, We've had just everything but Enterprise. We, we've had an unruly amount of TNG and original series. So let's see what happens. I mean, I'd be interested if we actually get a movie, to be fair. 
Well, if we do, we're going to have to spin again because I oh, we're already doing, doing one. Okay. We, are doing, uh, we are doing a movie a month, starting with a motion picture in a couple of weeks' time. Ooh. So, yay, 70s spandex. Are you ready to spin the wheel? Come on. Are we all ready in the chat to yell Dabo? We have to say Dabo as soon as it lands. We go Dabo, Dabo. when it lands. Are we ready? Three, two, one. Spinny, spinny, spinny. Oh my god, if I yeah. have this lands on Sub-Rose Rank 1. Code of Honor, Code of Honor. Come on, and... Double! Oh, it's actually finally a fucking DS9 Deep one. Deep Space Nine Bar Association. <laughs> yes! Is is this the com is this the Union one? I'm pretty sure it is, where Chief O'Brien is a Union man. Oh. <laughs> I'll get the synopsis up for you guys. Can we just bring up that thumbnail? That thumbnail is the best thing in the entire world. Just romping like the thumbnail is on screen, so everyone can see it. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Let me go. Back oh, I'm to the so happy screen. we have a DS9 episode. Oh, Bar Association. Let me get the synopsis up for this. <laughs> Season 4, Episode 15 of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The synopsis is, after being forced to work while he is ill, Rom relies on the employees of Quark's Bar to form a union and demand better hours and salaries. Holy shit, I think we can safely speak for everyone in Early Up North where we're like, <laughs> mm -hmm. This is a good episode. <laughs> this right, is everyone, so you have to watch this. It is available on Netflix. It is available wherever you can watch Trek. Paramount Plus, Netflix. Yes. Uh dodgy dvd vhs <laughs> seance everything it is <laughs> seance this is right our love of star trek deep space nine runs so deep because deeper than lee deeper deep, than lee oh I, I mean i'm elbow with lee it's, it's yeah it's 15 shoulder. inches at least in that's you know deep space nine is the best Star Trek series ever created thus far. Anyone who watches it, or they say they are, they are watching through Deep Space Nine, we all say the same thing. Watch all seven seasons and come back to us and tell us how it changed your life. Mm. Because it is... Mwah, it is chef's kiss. <laughs> I love Bar Association as well. I love it. it. I love it. I can't wait. I'm so happy. It's a great one. It has everything in it. It literally has everything in it. We have we have Lita, we have Rom, we have a lot of quark quark being quark. You know, it's it's an amazing episode for an amazing cast, I think. Oh, I am so happy we got Deep Space Nine. <laughs> this is brilliant. Is this our first no It is our first Deep Space Nine? Really? It is After our a year. Yep. Surely is... we've had another one. No. Nope. We have had, this is the first Deep Space Nine episode. I'm happy with this. Thank you, Dabo, Wheel Gods. <laughs> yes, because I was sick to death of the original series. Um, I, was, I was kind of, I was almost going to fix the wheel so it gave us, like, something that wasn't TNG original series. It was I'm an enterprise because to. no one wants me to sing the theme tune live on air. That's <laughs> what it is. Um, what we need to do, we need to do it like it's the national anthem. When we get an Enterprise episode, <laughs> we play the full theme, and we just and we just stand here, like you know, sort of like doing the Vulcan thing. We just stand here, being like, <laughs> for the full. Then. Still and, showing and the, more in motion than Rena. Uh, and yeah, there's <laughs> there's an animation of the Starfleet flag being raised. You know. Oh my god! <laughs> I am. It so has happy. been a long road. Getting from there to here. Getting to a DS9 episode, bloody hell! But. <laughs> 
But yeah, uh, thank you everyone for putting up, with me, putting up with me getting annoyed. But I, I think it's, I, I'm quite pleased that I didn't like an episode. That an episode rattled me this much that I've been so harsh about it. Hmm. Like, and I think that's something that's really good because it's great to be passionate about something, you know. Hmm. And hopefully my slander of this episode is constructive rather than me just being sort of like oh he's being nasty to women oh what a bastard you know because yeah if 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 it added to the plot you could be like okay that's a cool plot line but all it does here is make kirk seem like a dickhead <laughs> you know? it's it's not that it's not that we hate the episode or anything like that it's they could have done better yeah and uh, you, you it's a cool character we, you know the, the mantra is all trek is good trek that's fine and i i stand by that all trek is good trek however there are some elements that could be done better and i'm not going to mention any names but next week Star discovery trek... season five is coming out later in the year by the way next week <laughs> star trek deep space nine bar association we get Rom, we get Quark, we get Chief oh. Miles Edward O'Brien, a union man. man. <laughs> ah, Jesus. Oh, I'm so fucking happy for this one. I might watch this before I go to bed and then watch it again next week. I'm going to Because I've got to be, I've got to pack my bags and be up early for uh, going to DragCon tomorrow. So I'm thinking maybe this is going to be the, the thing I watch before I go to bed. I am going to do the promotion for this tomorrow. And then on <laughs> Sunday, uh, Saturday, I am going to upload the live episode for Friday. That's how excited I am. I am going to get <laughs> everything ready for this. I don't have a TNG. Shit, I don't have a DS9 uniform. I'm going to have to modify something. I will find a way. Um... <laughs> it, I love the OCD here where you're like, no, no, I need the right uniform. Well... <laughs> I'm in the wrong uniform this week purely because I haven't done the washing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, the week after, we are doing our first movie review, which is Star Trek The Motion Picture, which Shanoiz has watched this week already and has gone, <laughs> it's very 1970s. Um, Have you liked my criticisms that I sent over about it? I do because they're very constructive. <laughs> they are very they are very very constructive um it is it, it's one and five are widely considered the uh, movies i think it the, the the what i found watching it is that it's like it felt like they didn't want to do a star trek movie and then they just got something else and then put star trek on it like it feels like that kind of they put branding on it so it feels very weird that it was to think that it was specially written to be Star Trek on the big screen, you know? It wasn't. It was a discarded original series script. Ah. So we it does learn. feel like an episode stretched out to a film. We, like we it does will, feel like a half hour plot. You know? we, will, we will learn more <laughs> about Star Trek the motion picture when we review it live. Who, who are we doing it with? Are we doing it with uh, Mark? Was that confirmed, I, or are I'm we just doing it? Not saying who it's going to be. Okay, that right, is, cool. That is under wraps for now. Mark will be on. Uh, nice little segue, by the way. Congratulations on that. Mark will be on this Sunday's <laughs> episode of the Nerdy Up North podcast with myself, with Paul, with Sonia, with Sammy, as we review 
Serenity. Absolutely amazing film. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I really need to rewatch Serenity before that episode. That's going to be so much fun. That is this Sunday on the Nerdy Up North YouTube channel, live at 7.30 p.m. GMT, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. Not 11.30 p.m., as I kept saying to Mark, and Mark was like, are you going to make me stay up until 11.30 p.m.? <laughs> to which I went, you did it to me! So... <laughs> <laughs> he'll be like do you know how difficult it is to record from a shop at that time of day it's not a shop it's a dental office slash spa slash <laughs> yeah where's he gonna be it's like it's like where's wally i'm like where, where's mark gonna be today for the recording <laughs> he's at the golf club you know it's like, oh, where's he's, cartier he's um... in space you know and it's just like it just keeps getting more surreal each time has he got from tim curry in space um, spice space uh <laughs> Uh, speaking of silliness uh, I will actually be I think it's Monday we're doing it uh, I will be on with Jake and the gorgeous gorgeous Viking demigod Adam on the Ramblecast next week I think it's airing on Monday or maybe I don't know if it's pre-recorded and goes out later but it'll be sometime next week have they constructed a camera capable of capturing Adam's raw beauty yet no, no. The oh, only dear. thing, only my eyes can capture that. Oh dear, they, he, he has <laughs> the world's most perfect beard, and yeah, I quite like it though. That like Adam really takes time with his beard. Like he's it's one of these things of like being nicely sort of you know n- nicely sort of like taking care of yourself. You know, like there's the whole thing. There's something to be said for vanity and taking it too far. There's something to be said about not making any effort whatsoever. I'm sitting right here. Look at this mess. Uh, you know, I think Adam's right in the middle of being like he wants to look nice, and I think it really works. There's looking nice and then converting heterosexual men, but anyway, <laughs> this is... <laughs> he's still not Anson Mount though. Uh, where... <laughs> okay, Adam or Anson Mount? Is it is it even a choice? Why not? Is both? it even a decision? Why not both? Wow, okay, well, Vegas is looking up. Nice, anyway. Nice little segue to uh, a current topic on the Nerdy Up North community, which you should all join on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> shows that were cancelled that you would like to see come back, and I fastidiously maintained my position of due south with Anson mm. Mount as Anson Mountie. Um, which... I love how that, isn't... That, that came before Enterprise. What? That, you know, shows that were cancelled that oh. shouldn't have been. And then you're like, no, no, due south. And I'm like, surely Enterprise, nah. Enterprise will <laughs> come back. Enough. I'm confident that Enterprise will come back. There will be a way. However, due south <laughs> needs, just needs, I'm in love with Anson Mount. Um, anyway, guys, <laughs> this has been this week's episode of Trekking Up North. I would like to thank my delectable Gisian science officer, Sinois, for being with me on this <laughs> recording. <laughs> Until we see you live next Friday, stay safe, everybody. Look after yourselves. Live long and prosper. Bye-bye. Bye.